0: Hey there. Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. Welcome to Crossing the Tape, your favorite true crime podcast. I'm your host, one of them, Hillary, and I am joined by my husband, Brendan. And today, we ask you to sign the crime scene log and join us for another foreign case. Although this one is not about murder, it is about deception.
1: Who doesn't love to be deceived? Mm. Most people. Right. In 2002, John Darwin was a man in his early 50s living in the seaside community of Seton Carew, England, with his wife Anne. The pair had married in 1973, and within a matter of years, they had two sons, Anthony and Mark. John was known to enjoy a bit of canoeing on the waters of Seton Carew, and he even had a prized, handmade red canoe, which he christened the Orca.
0: Mm.
1: So this is not a casual canoeist. No. He's got a passion for paddling.
0: They have names. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like a ship. Like a yacht. Right. This little kayak is the Orca. In addition to paddling to his heart's content, John would also occasionally dabble in a bit of online gaming, playing the very popular Asheron's Call. Now, Asheron's Call was a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, or an MMORPG, released in 1999 and remaining playable until it finally shut down in 2017. The purpose of this sort of game, similar to things like World of Warcraft and RuneScape, is to play alongside other online users, completing quests, and exploring the magic of chatting with strangers. And that may come into play later. John ran a modest household, supporting his family on a teacher's salary for 18 years, while Anne worked as a doctor's receptionist. John did his share of wheeling and dealing as well, trying his hand at a few different get-rich-eventually schemes. <laughs> at one point, the Darwin home was the site of an African snail farm for the purpose of supplying local restaurants with delicious escargot. <laughs> I don't know why they have to be African snails. Maybe that's those, those are the tasty ones.
0: I have no idea. I think I've had escargot once and I don't really know where <laughs> that snail came from. <laughs>
1: They didn't didn't serve it with a little flag planted in the snail. No.
0: Oh, that'd be sad. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) After the snail farm crumbled, Darwin decided to turn his artistic expression into cash and began selling hand-painted garden gnomes at flea markets. Hmm. Incredibly, the gnome business was not all it's cracked up to be, (laughs) and the Darwins weren't high society types just yet. Hmm. Luckily, there are exceptions to child labor laws when it comes to door-to-door magazine sales. And thanks to that loophole, 15-year-old Anthony Darwin got straight to work, padding the family's income. Now These waters became a tad muddy, however, when John decided to have a little bit of uh, extramarital tomfoolery with Anthony's boss. Eventually, after retiring from teaching, John became a prison guard... And still aspired to build a healthy financial portfolio as he and Anne grew closer to retirement age. He's an interesting dude. He's in his 50s. Mm -hmm. He plays video games. He's a teacher. Snail farms. Painting gnomes. Goes into prison work.
0: (laughs) I know. It's a very wide variety of things.
1: Yeah. And not... Nothing in the same vein.
0: Nothing connects. Like, I do a bunch of different things, but everything I do connects.
1: Yeah, it's all in the (laughs) the same field. Yeah. Gnome painting has nothing to do with (laughs) snail raising. And I guess teaching and being a prison guard similar, depending on what grade you teach.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Now, by the dawn of the new millennium... The Darwins had begun dabbling in real estate by way of purchasing and renting bedsits, as they call them there, or as we call them here, studio apartments. Mm. The plan stood a chance to be the most profitable of John's ventures, and real estate investment is also the least schemey thing he had put his time (laughs) into outside of his teaching career and work as a prison officer. Mm. Now, for transparency purposes, I don't know a ton about real estate investments, and this is not official advice. But when you're purchasing rental properties, you probably want to start with one, pay down the loan a little bit until you're either seeing some profit or at least safe from drowning in debt. Right. Then when you can afford a second, follow that pattern until you have more money than you can responsibly handle.
0: That seems logical.
1: The American dream. (laughs) But the biggest don't of any sort of investment is getting in over your head and dumping in too much money too soon. That being said, in the early 2000s, banks were more than happy to approve multiple loans for people who probably didn't need more than just a couple. Hmm. Before we go any further, please enjoy a word from our friends at the National, (coughs) National Investigative Training Academy.
0: If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code, BA2367. That's ba 2367 And you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well.
1: After purchasing their 12th bedsit in just a matter of years, John and Ann Darwin were falling behind on their bank loans, and debt was stacking up to the tune of 64,000 pounds, which is roughly 70,000 US. And that's surprising to say the least, because I would have guessed... A lot more debt for Mm -hmm. 12 properties
0: Right I don't know exactly
1: how many loans But enough loans to to buy 12
0: apartments Makes me wonder if that debt was just from loan interest
1: Yeah Ugh Yeah Gives me anxiety thinking about 12 mortgages Oof John Darwin was known to be a proud man Who would never simply admit defeat Mm -hmm. And declare bankruptcy he just needed to come up with a plan to reverse his fortune and climb out of the financial hole he dug for he and his wife. A thirteenth bedsit was out of the question, so I'm sure that's <laughs> that's what would have turned everything around. Right. And selling any of the dozen they'd purchased could reduce their future profit, should there be any.
0: I so think, rather
1: than sell and like, get out from yeah, under I it. Say,
0: get out from under a few. I mean, even just a few, if that many. Sell eight of them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and just manage the rest. Well, John decided to hit the waters to clear his mind on March 21st of 2002. A neighbor saw him paddling out in the Orca, and John was last seen headed towards the Blue Lagoon, as locals called it, off the coast of Seton Carew. And after John didn't arrive home that evening, Ann checked with the prison the following morning, and he also didn't show up for his shift. Anne contacted police to report John missing, and the search was on. Too distraught to do the job herself, Anne had officers tell her sons their father was missing. And sadly, this interrupted a vacation one of the boys had taken to Canada with the intent of proposing to his girlfriend. Hmm. Rough timing. The trip was cut short so he could rush home to be with his worried mother. and As the family sat waiting for news of their father's safe return police conducted a massive search and rescue effort around the waters of Seton Carew. This eventually turned into a recovery mission when the broken pieces of the orca were found washed ashore near the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> After expending 150,000 pounds in resources to find John Darwin, the search was called off and he was declared missing, presumed dead. Now obviously, with something like that, it's not about the money.
0: <laughs>
1: but it Becomes about the money.
0: Yeah, there, there's an element you'll find out later that why, that kind of
1: why they had to do this math. Yes. Why that information? Why is that numb. was a
0: factor later?
1: Yes. Well, Anne was eventually able to have John officially declared dead in December of two thousand three, and after finally receiving his two hundred fifty thousand pound life insurance policy in two thousand four, Anne Darwin was eventually able to put her life back together, electing to quit her job and move to beautiful Panama in 2006.
0: Hmm.
1: Now get this. (laughs) In December of 2007, in a shocking twist, John Darwin himself walked into a London police station and announced, I think I'm a missing person. And other than his name and missing status, John didn't know anything about the preceding five years. They even asked him questions like, well, where what, were you? <laughs> what, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't know that. They said, well, uh, what did the numbers 9-11 mean? So he went missing in 2002. So if he doesn't remember the time he was gone, he should remember the tragedy in 2001. Mm-hmm. He said nine eleven, 11 20. Hmm. Yeah, he didn't know nothing. Now the trouble is, a medical exam showed John didn't have any of the symptoms of a typical amnesia sufferer, so his brain function didn't show any of those signs. And that was peculiar, to say the least, but John was back, and that's great news. During a press conference regarding this break in the missing canoe man's case, the head inspector was asked if this reappearance was a Christmas miracle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To which the inspector responded, I don't know. I only deal in facts. And the finding of these facts would prove to be the worst thing to happen to the Darwin family since John's disappearance. But you'll have to tune in next time to find out exactly what police discovered
0: mm-hmm. and if
1: there is a second canoe.
0: What would that one be called?
1: Whale shark? <laughs> no, that would be That would probably be a kayak. We thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll be back very soon this mm-hmm. holiday season to enjoy part two of the story of John Darwin.
0: Please sign the crime scene log on your way out. Stay safe. And so long. <laughs>